This is No Stop Lights with Ken Ard. I want to thank our sponsors, Mickey Fins, Marlboro Pity Electric, Carolina Bank, Pepsi of Florence. A bit different today. Instead of me and my big mouth, we've got Dr. Rich O'Malley, Superintendent of Florence School District 1, will join us for the entirety of, uh, of No Stop Lights. There's always scuttlebutt, and you hear these things. And I'll walk in one morning, and Rebel say, have you heard? Yeah, I've heard. Uh, what do you think? I don't know yet. Let's let some of this play itself out. Um, I've said we're not 60 minutes we're not even 60-minute-ish, if that's a word. <laughs> but but at times, we do have an obligation and a responsibility to engage our community about things that matter. And and in positions of leadership, you're going to be conflicted at times. You're going to like this person more than you did. You're going to dislike this. That's just the nature of a public policy and leadership. Um, Dr. Rich O'Malley is superintendent of Florence District 1. He has sat in that chair that he's in now as both friend and foe. Sometimes in the same in the same interview, I'd like him to agree that I've been respectful, but but blunt and and you know I think the public deserves answers and I think you're here to provide some clarity on an issue that is um that is on your radar and some know some don't know. But Dr. O'Malley, welcome to begin with. Good to see you again. Good morning. Thank you very much. And, and uh, I would definitely agree. I appreciate the. Uh, Honest feedback. I'd say you're 60 minutes with a little edge. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> with, with a little edge. Well, that's, that's a compliment. I'll take that. That's quite the compliment. The thing that you have tried to instill in, in the school district is accountability and performance. Correct. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's not about you, not about me, not about, it's about the kids. Are we, are we accountable to the taxpayer and are we performing for the kids? I mean, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you've led me to believe those are your priorities. Absolutely. And I think, um, as we'll talk about today, I came here because I thought that the potential for Florence, South Carolina, is much better than it was. And, and, I, and I truly believe we don't have to be last. We have shown in Florence of what performance can be and what accountability can be and what the potential of our students are. And I think it's um, the choice of making sure we have a good educational system is something that we wanted to put forward. Um, but there are huge obstacles. And I think people haven't been willing to knock down the walls, go after the obstacles, or just try to find other ways and, and move barriers. And I think um, the issue this morning that we'll talk about is just another example of, hey, why can't we just call it what it is and try to make the system better. I don't know how many kids need to be in a class. I don't know what teachers need to make. I don't know how many buses we need getting kids to school, but I do know the taxpayer deserves to have their money spent on things that they believe the money is being spent on. When you got here, you found that was the case. I mean, I'm talking about this, some of the food budgeting, some of some of the way we were paying for food and some of uh, uh, some of this dishonesty. I mean, let's call it what it is. Some of the corruption within that. Um, that has continued. You have continued to try and root out some of the corruption, some of the irresponsible spending of people who take taxpayer dollars and do things not in the best interest of accountability and performance. You, you, you found a recent example that, that you want to talk about this morning. So I want to get out of the way, give you the runway, and let you explain what led you to this point and what have you found out and what actions have you taken in regards to finding more corruption. Yeah, and I think that's sort of when I came in, I 
you know, food service was a classic example. I mean, if you've been doing the job like I have for a long time, you, you're saying you shouldn't be losing $3 million a year on food service. You really, it's not that hard. So was it mismanagement or was it something else? And I, and I truly believe, you know, with now of last year, we have 5 million in surplus. So you can take a look at food service, 3 million on a number line, oh, to a $5 million plus. That's a huge variation. Something was going on. That's beyond mismanagement. But that that's, People keep asking me, you know, where do you find all the money to do this? And I'm just saying you should have been asking the people before why wasn't the money there because I didn't bring it with me. Uh, we just found ways that um, people were misspending it or other people were talking about it. The issue this morning is about the charter school. Let me give you a little bit of history if I can do it quickly. Um, we'll let everybody understand. So th this Palmetto Youth Academy is a charter school. It was in existence in 2003. They get a 10-year charter every year, so 2003 to 2013, 2013 to 2023 is their 10-year charter. Um, it is a district-sponsored charter school, and that's important here um, because that means this school district made a choice to fund this charter school. It wasn't through a higher education or any other source. They decided, and that's that's the important part. The board at that time made that decision. Um you know, when I came on board, it was, you know, something that was there. Um, had a lot of other issues to deal with, say, in the first two years. Uh, wasn't on my radar. COVID came. You know, those things kind of went off the radar. Um, but the year prior to this, um, we began to sit down with the charter school. We, we did a corrective action plan. We listed all those things. Um, they did nothing to correct any of the parts of the uh, corrective action plan. So the process would be that um, they had a file for a new charter. They did that in January of 2023. Um, we took a look at our corrective action plan. We took a look at what the 20 years of experience is, academic performance, lack thereof, teachers, things like that, financials. Uh, we made the recommendation as administration to the board um, that they not renew the charter. Um, therefore, they then appealed that chart, uh, uh, non-recommendation for a renewal to the board. The board had a hearing on April 27th. It was eight and a half hours long. Um, there is a whole testimony that uh, people would like to read afterwards that make that available. Uh, and then on May 8th, the board actually voted um, with an order to close that charter school. Um, but they didn't close it. It's the technicalities. They just did not give it 10 more years to exist. Um, so fast forward to, uh, this summer, um, the charter school, which is now closed, the state department closed their number, which means the school doesn't exist. The school opens. Um, and we, part of the process is sort of like a, a divorce. You got to come together. I wrote a letter and said, you got to give us your bank accounts, you know, the assets, because they are the only way this fun this charter school gets funded is through the school district. And over just the last five years, they get about a million dollars a year for about 40 kids. You do the math on that one. Wow. I don't get that for our kids, the 16300 that I get. So that that is a lot of money um, that is in, if they accumulate some assets. So uh, we wrote that letter uh, for August 3rd to meet, to go over the assets. That's part of the district protocol to do that. Um, she doesn't show up. Um, she continues to have school. And to me, that just putting the thumb in our in our eyes and just said well i'm just going to continue to do so we continued to look into things and um i asked the attorney well they're having school if the building is a school district property why can't i just go over there and put a padlock on it and say 
this is the property of the school. Well, because our attorney said, if you look now, um, you don't own no building. They don't own the building. The building is actually owned by a company called Palmetto Youth Services. The assets um, of that school were transferred to this LLC that has been operating probably for about 10 years. Uh, so they actually, even in their tax filings, uh, is how they were paying their employees. Now, you remember, uh, I'll go back a little bit to say, you know, in the hearing, they couldn't even tell us how many teachers were there. They were very specific. They don't have a single certified teacher in the school. Um, five of their kids were in Darlington. I could go on and on what they're doing. Financial mismanagement. Um, but I know now why they didn't want to turn over the documents. Um, it is my understanding this this company has all the assets. Um, right now, their last audit says they have $1.2 million in cash. Think about that. 40 kids. Where are they getting all this money? Well, they weren't hiring teachers. They weren't doing this. I, I, I tend to think it's like sort of like the Geico of the world. Geico is a hedge fund with a front of insurance, and that's how you get a lot of cash. So I think this is a business with a charter school in the front. And um, so they have uh, not only $1.2 million in cash that they're operating out of this Palmetto Youth Services. Now, our agreement was Palmetto Youth Academy, which is school but they don't pay any employees out of that. They don't have any assets in that. And that's why I'm in a situation of, I can't obtain that school's property. I can't obtain those school that cash. Well, when we further look into it, they've purchased property under Palmetto Youth Services. They've purchased, think about this, 47 acres of property in Florence, paid cash, no mortgage, what do you need with 47 acres? 47 acres, to give you perspective, is just as large as West Florence and South Florence together. What are you doing with that land, which they now have transferred to being agricultural land so they wouldn't be taxed um, on that? They used school district money, we believe, to do that because the only way they could afford to, to do that is with that money. Um, they have other properties. Um, I can't see who they're paying, how much they have, uh, but they've accumulated all this wealth. The owner of that Palmetto Youth Services is the same person who runs the charter school. And in addition to that, the Palmetto Youth Academy is paying Palmetto Youth Services for rent and other services. So in essence, she's paying herself. She lives in a half a million dollar house um, with a, you know, with 40 kids in a school where she testified that she couldn't afford to have teachers. I think people need to understand what's going on here okay what recourse do you have what sort of authority you've led me to believe i make sure i interpret this correctly so so you fund a school the school creates a company the company has a layer of insulation you can't in other words i don't want to call it a shell company but you have autonomy over the charter school no autonomy at all on the business that has been created is that a, is that a, is that a proper interpretation? Correct. So who fixes that? Who who holds accountable those who did that on their own volition? Well, I, I don't know the answer to that. I've I've written letters and have meeting today with the solicitor, um, with the county assessor. Um, I've written to the attorney general. I've written to the Department of Education. Um, everybody's just like kind of scratching their heads, and I'm like, well, we we don't scratch our heads. The law is very clear. 
Uh, the law for the charter school says that no one can profit individually from the assets or the money from that. To me, that is clearly what is broken in the Because law these here. aren't charitable donations. These yeah. are taxpayer dollars. These are absolutely taxpayer dollars that clearly weren't used for the school but transferred to this company. I'll call it a shell company because that's what it is. I mean, you can't pay employees for a school under a separate account. Why are you doing that? Which is fascinating to me because if you look at their audit, their audit says everything was done under Palmetto Youth Academy, but they don't have any assets. They don't have any <laughs> any payments. You look at their quarterly business um, filings, they all say Palmetto Youth Services. Let me add one more quick thing to you. So when you go under Secretary of State for businesses, you want to start a, a business, uh, Ken Gard, and you have to Google to see if the name is available. Interesting enough, um, Palmetto Youth Academy is out of Columbia, that is a business. When you Google Palmetto Youth Service, that is what they use as the business. If you Google, or I shouldn't say Google, if you go to the Secretary of State filing website for business entities, you uh, do that, type in Palmetto Youth Services, it's available. So I don't think it's a grammar error. I just tend to think that Nobody's actually paying attention, including the South Carolina Department of Revenue. And what's interesting even further is that if in 2010, if you if you do Google, they um, Palmetto Youth Services, which doesn't exist in South Carolina, they had their nonprofit status revoked by the IRS in 2010. So they have been operating as a nonprofit business illegally for 13 years. Yet nobody says anything, including the South Carolina Department. How? Who approves their funding? Walk me through the logistics. They make a request to the school board, the State Department of Education. Who blesses them receiving funding? And when was the last time they were um, legally funded? Um, so, because it's a district charter school, it's the it comes out of the school district, the taxpayers' general fund. You want to put it into perspective, a million dollars a year is about two and a half mils when we talk about taxes onto that. Um, but there's a formula that says you have had this many kids and charter schools get this. So that formula is generated from the, the state. We pay them. But but you don't control that criteria. That criteria is controlled. What qualifies them is not controlled by, by the school board, but rather the State Department of Education? Correct. The, the amount of funding that get is the uh, formula by the State Department of Education. When was the last time they were funded? Um, so we've paid them throughout the year. I, I don't believe that we've paid them at the end uh, everything they should. As things came to light, I, I just said, let's put a pause on this before I spend a nickel of the taxpayers' money that might be going to somewhere other but than But there's still $1.2 million out there. It, as according to their last audit, they had $1.2 million in cash in the bank. It's called the fund balance. Um, but but if that were money, forgive me, but but if that were money were in the legally standing entity, you would have authority. You would have autonomy. You could freeze their assets until they got back back in line. You're telling me that the the entity of which you have some control over has no 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 bearing. Correct. They've and created that as a kind of an insula, uh, kind of a layer of insulation, so you can't get to where where the money is. The land, the property, the building, the cash. Anything, even even bills that they owe are no longer part of, but they've been doing that not recently. They just all of a sudden 
move this into an account. This is how they've been operating for years. People say, well, how did you not know that? Well, the audit said that they were, we were paying Palmetto Youth Academy. The audit said where the cash was. What they would do is after the audit, then shift the money over. So the audit is something that needs to be looked at as well because it's kind of constant. And I can't get my hands on the records because it's a private business. And so the assets, I know if you, you know, just by looking online, you can see what property they own and things like that. But I don't know, vehicles, other assets, homes. I don't even know who they were paying. But if you have 1.2 million, I've been doing this a long time, 40 kids, and you've generated $1.2 million in cash, mm, you, you can't be operating a school. The improvement of education in Florida District 1 has been exponential. Uh, you don't deserve all the credit, but you've tried to create or foster an environment that allows kids to do better academically, and, and we're ringing the bell there. Uh, absolutely. You know, record enrollment this year, I think our academics have skyrocketed, and um you know, winning a couple uh, state championships in athletics always tends to be a good thing. And, uh, and, and I'm glad I, I'm glad our guys are Gamecock now, Rev. I hear I good things about um, the kid from South Florence that went to South Carolina. I didn't hear what you said. No, I, I, kind of... and I, and, and I, I intentionally did that because right. I know you're from the from the dark side there. Okay, okay. I want to go back to this. So, so you believe you've clearly established theft. Well, let's call it what it is. You believe that you've clearly established theft. You don't have a gun nor a badge. Correct. Where's the onerous? I mean, who who has to take the information you have uh, kind of put together and and do what is necessary to hold people accountable for taking things they don't own and aren't well, rightfully theirs? Part of that is uh, what I'm doing here this morning. I'm sitting on the mountaintop saying, people, wake up and, and look what's happening. I, I can't do this alone. I can only share. I'm trying to run a school district. You want me to be accountable. You want me to show transparency. And I'm all for that. But here's another part of education that you don't even are aware. You're not aware of. These are the parasites that suck all the money. I get why the legislature doesn't want to give us more money. This is a classic example. But they don't fix the problem. I'm not against charter schools. But I'm just trying to show Give us a chance to try to improve, to try to spend the money correctly. But I can't when I have systems like this that everyone turns a blind eye to. So all I can do is say, here's what we found. Um, somebody's got to do something. The law is very clear. You can't take a charter school and, and, and profit from it individually. And so I'm clearly laying out who owns this business, who owns these assets, who owns these things. When they say they were supposed to go to a school, I, I don't know what else to do than to say, somebody, please look into this. That's all I'm saying. Have you contacted the attorney general's office? So I've contacted the governor, the attorney general's office, the county solicitor, the state department of education uh, superintendent, the county assessor. I know one thing that's happened so far. The county assessor has remove the nonprofit status as of 2023 on the property and the buildings because of that 2010 nonprofit. I said, what about the 13 years? I know if it was Rich O'Malley, I'd be on the front page of the paper in handcuffs and the IRS would be at my front door. I don't know why there's a dual prong system here. I, I can tell you that. And that's all I can do is ask someone. I'm not going to make the allegations, I've provided plenty of documentation on what I feel is 
someone who's broken the law. Has the AG and Department of Education, State Department of Education, I guess Ellen Weaver to some degree, have they responded in any way, shape, or form? No, I think the only response I've had is from the county assessor and from the um, county solicitor who I'll meet with today. Well, let, let's do this, guys. I mean, this is where I think we can involve ourselves. Let's reach out to the AG's office, see if we can get Alan to come on and go on the record. Uh, is he familiar with the information? Uh, what sort of way is he beginning to make a determination? And let's get a hold of uh, to Ellen if we can. And let's get both of those in the next several days on the record. Are they aware mm-hmm. of these um, of, of this situation? And are they willing to intervene in whatever way? I don't know who uh, needs to be intervening. I, I don't have any idea. Um, but you've established to me, because somebody sent me some information about a week ago. Uh, a, a mutual friend that we have sent me a lot of information. I read all of the information. I mean, I'm not caught off guard by what you said here today. And I think the facts clearly show that there are some pretty significant violations of law and their taxpayer dollars in excess of $1 million that are where they shouldn't be. And and I think the taxpayer should be irate about that. You know, you, you and I butted heads on tax increases and, and some other things, and we always will. But, but I want to, I mean, on, on matters relating to financial discipline and are the taxpayer dollars being spent the way they should be, I give you a accommodation. I mean, you've done a good job of that, but you don't have a badge or a gun, and you can't enforce the law. We can rant and rave. We can we can rail against this and rail against that. But but I want to try to Josh. Let's do that if we can. I mean, let's let's get let's get Alan and Ellen to at least engage and 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 you know maybe they want to come on the air, maybe not, and maybe they're doing some due diligence. I, I don't know that. Maybe they're concerned about saying the wrong thing. But I think that's one way we can aid and assist is leaning on some of these previous political relationships uh, that, that we have. But um, but but you've done all you can do in and, making the public aware. And, and that's what I'm doing. Basically, what I'm asking is, what are those assets that belong to the Florence One taxpayers? Building um, books, computers, um, the land. What needs to happen to those assets? So if they're, if I just need someone to say who owns those, if it's the business, uh, I think that's another. But if the business owns the assets, the assets were purchased with taxpayer dollars. Correct. Okay. Then then that's where an investigation has to occur. Correct. If they are Florence school district one's assets, well, then they're legally ours. They can't conduct the school. I mean, really conducting a school with no authorization, no authorization from anything. So basically running a school through a business, which has always been the case. I just need someone to say, which side is it on? If it's on the business side, then that needs to be investigated because I think that is wrong, and I think that is where laws have been broken. If they're saying, well, these are your assets, great. We want them. They are our assets, and they belong to the, the, the taxpayers of Florence. As we begin, I want to shift gears. you got about three or four minutes here. As we begin a new school year, what are you excited about? What are you concerned about? Um, excited about where we're going. Continue. It's, um, you know, in, in South Carolina, I've learned that, uh, when you're on the top, everybody wants to, uh, try to take you down and whether that's, uh, allegation against South Florence, uh, high school football, or it's, uh, about what we're trying to do academically. Um, but I tell my, my folks back in, in the school district is it's better to have that whack-a-mole at the top of the mountain than to be at the bottom of the mountain. So, uh, I'm optimistic about where we're going in education, but when you're at the top, everybody's coming after you. So I think everybody kind of sees that. I think, um, I think the state of education 
is not about education. I agree with you. I wish we were talking about test scores and, and athletics and arts and things like that that are happening, but we seem to be in a political environment that we've got to, you know, tread lightly on everything we do because somebody will make something out of that. Um, but I think as a school district, I think we're in a really good place. We have probably one of the best openings that we have. We still struggle with some teachers and uh, getting teachers and enrollment. Um, but I think we're on a, a much better path and doing a lot of things that are leading the state and the state sort of across the state are doing the things that, that we've been doing for I'm a I'm not time. in the belly of the beast, but when you got here, one of your big concerns was facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, or have we, I mean, obviously we've made a lot of progress. Are we where we need to be? Or, or is this still a, a work in progress? Um, I, I think it's always going to be a work in progress. You can't fix 50 years of neglect. Um, but I think if you travel to all of our schools, the 26 facilities that we have, they're in really good shape and you can be proud of them. And we continue to do those things that we, we can to them. I think we've made some investments in buildings and additions and, and new schools. Um, I don't think this board and we get a lot of credit for building a new South side and a new North Vista without any debt. I mean, that's not easy to do with $80 million and how we financially have done all those things, but that's fine. We just keep moving forward and, and try to do that. Um, but I think we still have maybe another school in Savannah Grove and some other things to do to control some of the growth that may be happening in the South Florence area. Um, but I think we're in a good position financially in a good position from the facility standpoint to, to continue to move forward. Last question, I promise. In in your perspective or from your perspective, in your in your view, is consolidation inevitable in some way, shape, or form? Are we heading to a place where we have maybe we still have a Johnsonville Pamphlet on Lake City School, but we don't have we've consolidated some of the administrative aspects uh, of a countywide school district. I mean what 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 do you say to that? I would say I would say that um, this year was the defining year. Um, you know, I was one of the first ones to come on here and say, hey, I'm raising taxes and here's why. Uh, everybody else raised taxes, county, city, and other superintendents. I didn't see anybody sitting in this room talking about it, but I just want to make they were, sure. They were invited. <laughs> they were invited, but they don't show up. I want to make sure that's clear. So, but everybody else raised taxes. I think the other school districts in Florence County all raised taxes and that kind of got them out of how they were living and allowed them to, to have some... Um, breath for another couple of years uh, to survive. I, I think inevitably you just, the problem you have is not the funding, but they just, they don't have the opportunities as we saw in Florence four, those kids didn't have the opportunity as we're having in Florence one facilities, academics, arts, trips, things like that. They they're surviving, but they're not offering something that's just a couple of miles down the road. So I think them being able to raise their taxes and get their tax relief, I'm all for it. We, we wouldn't benefit, as you saw with Florence Four. we don't benefit in any way by consolidation um, as a school district and being as large as we are. It, we would just take on their problems and what they haven't addressed for years. And um, I, so I think them increasing taxes has given them a couple more years to survive. Rich, I'm concerned that some of the struggling school districts plug recurring revenue gaps with COVID money. Um, is, that a, is that a concern I should have? Uh, obviously, you don't know what other schools do, but but I'm concerned that the the recurring revenue needed to run these school districts were, were made a little more manageable by by um, the federal government. You know, printing so much money and allowing school districts to participate in some of the COVID relief. 
Absolutely. And I've been on here to explain where we spent our money and we haven't spent it on any reoccurring things. So, and I think we're in a really good place. I think one of the things I will say before I answer the following question is don't be misled by, hey, the districts still have all this money in COVID I haven't spent. Well, a lot of it, we don't get the money. It doesn't sit in my bank account and I could spend it. It sits in the State Department. And once we actually purchase that stuff, we're reimbursed. So there's a long leg time to have that money come back to the school. So although it may look like we have $3 million still sitting there, that might be for a lot of things. And I can't ask for that money from the state until I've actually done that. And sometimes it takes a full year, so I won't get reimbursed for the following year. So I want people to understand that as well. But I think you've got a huge storm coming your way of the financial cliff. Now, remember, this money ends in September of 2003, um, 2024. Well, do you really think that two months before presidential election, they're just going to say, oh, your school districts, good luck to you. I think what's going to happen is they're going to be another bailout and guys like us who did the right thing for so long and spent it correctly, again, are going to look around and say, you know, same thing, same thing happens. You, it, we, we, we continue to reward the people that are incompetent and that just take abuse of the system. And I, I think you're going to see that there's no way that the federal government's going to let those school districts go off a cliff, especially, especially a couple of months from an election, two months from an election. So you know what's going to happen and and you just see it and, um, you start, you're starting to hear it again. Hey, you know, I don't, I don't want to be in the room when that first person says we need to go back to masks. I mean, that, that is going to be world war (laughs) three, but you are starting to see, I mean, just take a look around. You see, you're starting to hear, hey, COVID's coming back. People are starting to wear masks again. Well, a reason to give away more money. Follow the money. I've said that since I got here. You follow the money without that, you know. Well, we, I, we may disagree on some things, but we are we are in <laughs> lockstep on that one. I'll do you better than that. Money's the answer. Now, what's the question? I mean, that, that that's kind of where, where I've landed. I appreciate all the work you've done. I mean, we'll butt heads on some things, and you know that. But I appreciate you coming in, explaining yourself, even when we um, do disagree. But but we've got an obligation, I think, as a uh, quasi-member of the media to try and find out for the taxpayer. Not for real. We don't owe Rich anything. What we owe the taxpayer, some answers there. So, Josh, let's try to get a hold of the AG's office and uh, and the State Department of Education, see if Ellen and Alan will come on and explain. Uh, there may be a good explanation. I mean, they may be doing some due diligence to find out uh, what answers need to be provided. But but taxpayer dollars are at risk. And, and that's everybody's business. I mean, whether you got a kid in school or not, that's everybody's business. And, um, and I appreciate you being willing to um, publicly and aggressively address that issue. I take those as a compliment. Go Tigers. <laughs> me, me, I, oh, 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 I hear you. I hear you. Lenore's is a what? He's a Gamecock. Game I, mean, I hear going to be a real good, a real good Gamecock. He will be a very yeah. good Gamecock, and uh, we're very proud of him. And uh, if there's ever a chance that I would root for some reason, I, I can't imagine what it would be, but it would be for him. That's it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I want to thank our sponsors. Carolina Bank serves communities throughout northeastern South Carolina, offering a wide range of services to meet every personal or business need from straightforward accounts to complex finances. They're prepared to help you reach your financial goals. Carolina Bank, banking on tradition since 1936. Member FDIC, Pepsi of Florence represent the entire product line of PepsiCo, one of the world's leading food and beverage companies. Pepsi of Florence also serve brands from other great companies such as Dr. Pepper, Canada Dry, Lipton Tea, Gatorade, and various 
regional brands. Mickey Finn's, largest South Carolina liquor wholesaler, serving every county in the state, largest bourbon selection statewide. They ship wines to 43 states, opening soon a new beverage warehouse across from Bucky's on I-95 in Florence. They support USC athletics, including Williams Bryce and Colonial Life Arena. Marlboro PD Electric Co-op, if you're in big business and looking for an industrial park in the south to build your new plant, consider Marlboro PD Electric Co-op's new PD Commerce Center, uh, an industrial park located at the I-95 exit in Florence, South Carolina. Check it out at mpdccoop or pdec.com. <laughs> 